This is the Common Sense Party Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Ali. Today is Sunday, August 29th. Uh, today we're going to talk about Herschel Walker. Uh, the misinformation people give to the uh, COVID vaccine. Uh, that slimeball gets, gets married. Uh, Florida mask mandate. And the crazy lieutenant governor of Texas. Again, this is the... Common Sense Party Podcast. Read us, review us, give us five stars, give us four stars, give us any star. Just give us a, a review on Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Our mission is to bring common sense back to this great nation of ours. Let's get it started. All is lost. Not while I'm standing. This is the Common Sense Party Podcast. I am your host, Dwayne Ali, and today is Sunday. Uh, Today we start off with Herschel Walker. Yes, the dude who runs, who was a Dallas Cowboy, Minnesota Viking. He starred at the University of Georgia, and he has multiple personalities. Yes, he has said he is has multiple personalities and he's running for Senate in Georgia against uh, Reverend Warnock so uh, I don't know how that'll work but hey Trump became president they just they just don't care so check this out Senate Republicans training Herschel Walker to House Republicans for like a package of 10 candidates. It's a novel idea. The news in late August that former NFL star Herschel Walker is going to run for the Senate from Georgia is an absolute nightmare for Republicans hoping to retake the majority next November. And what's even worse, they probably can't stop him from winning the Republican nomination. Walker starts the race with high name identification, primarily derived from his years of football stardom, and the vocal support of former President Donald Trump for his candidacy. Quote, he would be unstoppable, just like he was when he played for the Georgia Bulldogs and in the NFL, Trump said in March of a Walker candidacy, adding, he is also a great person. Run, Herschel, run. Run, Forrest, run. Walker, as the Republican nominee against freshman Senator Raphael Warnock, is a minefield, though, for Republican strategists who do view rightly Warnock as one of the most vulnerable Democrats up for re-election next November. Why? Why ask why? Just kidding. Here's why. Number one, Walker hasn't lived in Georgia for a very long time. So Walker registered to vote in the Peach State exactly one week before he announced his Senate bid. He lived in Texas for the past several decades. Moving back to the state to run for office opens Walker up to charges that he is only back in the state to run for office, and he has no easy answer for that. 
Number two, he's been accused of threatening behavior. Walker has been open about his diagnosis of dissociative identity disorder and the struggles it has caused him, including writing a book about his life experiences. But a recent Associated Press report went through Walker's business and divorce records and reveals troubling and previously unreported behavior by the former NFL star. Quote, the documents detail accusations that Walker repeatedly threatened his ex-wife, exaggerated claims of financial success, and alarmed business associates with unpredictable behavior, end quote. Now, worth noting here, Walker did not respond to the AP's request for comment on their report. Number three, he's never been a candidate for anything before. So a Senate race is a tough place to make a maiden campaign. And that goes double when you're talking about what will likely be one of the most closely watched and most expensive Senate races in the country. Walker will now be under a very bright light. And if past his prologue, he could struggle at times under that sort of scrutiny. Now, of course, Warnock had never run for any office prior to his successful Senate bid in 2020. So, it's doable. It's just far from easy. Now, it's worth noting here, campaigns always take on a life of their own. They're often very unpredictable. But what's clear from all the stuff I talked about above is that Walker brings significant baggage, carrying my bags, to the contest and has hard questions to answer about his past residency and his past behavior. That reality has already led some Republican strategists close to Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell to speak out publicly about their concerns of nominating Walker. Quote, this is about as comprehensive a takedown as I've ever read, tweeted Josh Holmes, a longtime McConnell advisor, in July in reference to that AP story, adding, my lord. McConnell himself has yet to speak out publicly against Walker, but according to sources cited by CNN, he's made his reservations very clear privately. Wrote CNN's Manu Raju, Alex Rogers, and Mike Warren, quote, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has suggested to allies that former Georgia Senators David Perdue and Kelly Leffler should take another look at running again, according to three sources familiar with the matter, after their narrow losses in January flipped the Senate to Democratic control. End quote. The problem for McConnell is that, as I noted above, Walker is a very high likelihood of being the party's nominee, given his celebrity and the likely strong backing he'll have from the former president of the United States. There's also a relatively weak field of other Republicans in the race at the moment. State Agricultural Commissioner Gary Black is probably the best known of the Her Republicans not named Herschel Walker, but Gary Black isn't exactly a household name. Plus, Walker and Trump standing behind him could well keep better known Republicans like Leffler and Purdue from entering a race they're not sure they can win. Speaking of that, given the current power dynamic in the Republican Party, it's not at all clear to me, at least, that a McConnell-backed candidate like Leffler or Purdue could overcome a Trump-backed candidate like Walker, even with the various issues I documented surrounding him. Which would then mean that in one of the Republicans' best pickup opportunities in the country, the party would put forward a candidate who is an opposition researcher's dream. Not to mention someone who has never run for any office prior to 2022. If that scenario does come to pass, it has implications well beyond the Georgia state lines. So Republicans need to net just a single seat to retake control of the Senate in 2023. And Georgia, with a narrow victory margin for both Warnock and President Joe Biden in 2020, is at the top or near the top of the list of potential pickups. 
lose Georgia, though, and Republicans need to find a pickup elsewhere, in places like Arizona, where Senator Mark Kelly looks pretty strong, or New Hampshire, where all Republican hopes lie with the potential candidacy of Governor Chris Sununu. In short, Senate Republicans are not in a place where they can simply write off one of their best pickup chances without feeling the impact in other places around the country. And while no one should say conclusively that Herschel Walker would lose to Raphael Warnock, it's quite clear that the former running back would have major challenges if he wound up as the Republican nominee. The worst thing for McConnell and his fellow establishment Republicans? They know all of this. They just might not be able to stop it. And that is the point. We make new... Yep, they're going to run out Herschel Walker because he's a name. But, again, we need to bring common sense back to America. But, again, people don't have common sense. I do apologize, but Republicans will vote for Republican because he's a Republican. So, our mission is to get the independents and the... Democrats out during the midterm, so we should start from now. So educate everyone on IDs, uh, their voting polling areas, where they need to go. So we need to get started right now. Uh, because I don't understand why is it so hard to to for the people. Like, the people don't understand it's for them. Democrats are, yes, they're for them, but they need to need to vote for a common common sense needs to prevail card my pun but we need to vote for the people not for the party because right now politics is tribal and tribal doesn't work anymore right now in this time we have a pandemic Afghanistan uh, dictatorship and the Republican Party so Again, our mission is to bring common sense back to the country, and we need to start by getting Warnock re-elected. So, I'm going to do my part. Alright, this is a Common Sense Party podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars, give us four stars on whatever platform you get. Uh, podcasts like Spotify, Google, Breaker, such and such. Alright, our next story is the misinformation. Uh, Republicans and the MAGA group or QAnon are spreading misinformation about mass mandates and stuff like that but we don't understand why they're so afraid they are so afraid of doing things for the collective good they think it's going to take away their rights they are moving the goalpost as usual alright check this out protests out here this morning and parents were crying, screaming like, oh my God, my, you know, as, as governor, you should try and calm people's nerves, maybe, or can you, because they're a low-risk group. Student Amy, as a supposed reporter, you should probably stop the misinformation. We are done here. Thank you. Thank you. You know how you prevent schools being, from being closed? You stop complaining about mask wearing. Matt Gate hasn't had a lot. Send me some studies. I'm going to take the podium again and just respond to that. Let me just say this. You are spreading misinformation. 
I wish you would stop spreading misinformation. You come in here with a political agenda, and you spread misinformation, and I just think you should stop. We now need to protect our children. We need to protect the people in our communities, parents, grandparents, teachers. You are working against that. And it is extremely upsetting for all of us who are trying to keep the rest of the state safe. Yep, that's what you need to do. Tell them what they're doing. Call them out on their bullshit. And don't be afraid. I already said, tip a table over once. Just tip it over once. And they'll know. They speak out because they know that the Democrats or any independent person will will not respond back in the way that they do. They'll lie. They'll misquote stats or whatever. But you got to tip a table over once. Just once. I love tipping the table over. Then they know who not to mess with. All right. Uh, that was the governor of Illinois. He was talking to, uh, I guess he's a, a journalist. That, talking about mass mandates. We need to, again, come together for the collective good. But we don't do the social contracts anymore. All right. Moving on to our next story. Matt Gates got married. Uh, he's under investigation for sex trafficking. Uh, could be a pedophile, but he gets married. But hey, that's what the rich do. And they talk about the Democrats eating babies. But it is what it is. This is from the damage report. And check this out. Gates hasn't had a lot of good news this year, but now he does. He's married. According to his Twitter, he says, I love my wife, which is a totally normal caption. It doesn't seem a little bit weird. Anyway, he eloped with uh, Ginger Lucky. I swear I checked multiple times. That is the actual Lucky name. Anyway, uh, they did a little eloping. Only a few dozen people attended, including former Rand Paul staffer Sergio Gore, who is both the officiant and DJ. Other attendees include uh, billionaire Paul Merlucky himself and his wife, uh, Bannon's War Room hosts Raheem Kassam and Natalie Winters, and Nestor Galban, Gates' uh, adopted son, according to Vanity Fair. So, um, you may think that with all the stuff floating around the allegations of him um, soliciting uh, prostitutes and lying about it and, you know, uh, potential allegations of rape, effectively, um being out there that he's having a bad year, but he is not having a bad year, Francesca. He's having a very good year. He's very, very happy uh, with his new wife. You know, this is how every political thriller ends. With a wedding end of scene, right? You know, it's like the congressman, and he's got all these like charges against him, and all these allegations, and he's running from the law, and da, 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 and then he gets married. Yay! It's like a rom-com, really. Uh, yeah. And nobody has any more questions. You know, the judges are like, well, we can't pursue this case. He's in love. Oh, he's a young couple. You know? Uh, and then it's like that moment and the music swells and he's like, "Other, I would I would prosecute this uh, child sex trafficking case, but yeah. feeling in a good mood today. It's like you can either be You enjoy strange. your honeymoon. Da-da-da-da-da. Okay, I'm sorry. I doubt it. I doubt it. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think the way the movie should have ended is he's got the wedding, and then a few cop cars pull up. They're storming out. They've got the papers, and his buddy has left incriminating information in 
the comment section of a Venmo transaction. Um, I might have watched a movie last year. But anyway, um, so some people, I think the main question that people have coming from this is, wait a second, spousal privilege, does this mean that she will no longer be able to be um, sort of obligated to testify against him? Now, I am very much not a lawyer. We have on uh, Adrienne Lawrence very often because she is, Supposedly, spousal privilege does not protect you for communi- for, from having to divulge communications that took place before you were married. So, I, who knows if that was even a consideration for them. I'm assuming it was not. But it's that like is not going to help. It's like a prenup and an NDA in one. Yeah, it's Anything not. Anything I told you before, <laughs> that's lies. You can't yeah, use that again. Those crimes, nope. Just the vows, not the crimes. That's not how it works, actually. Um... I assume it's... Oh, I, I have a few potential explanations. One, it's to give people the idea that things are going well, he doesn't want the party to turn on him, that sort of thing. The other is just, he's a very self-involved quasi-sociopath that got married. I mean, that's possible. He doesn't take seriously anything that's going on. You know, like the well-being of uh, girls. He doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about charges potentially coming out against him. He doesn't care about anything. That's a potential explanation as well. You know, she's 26, which arguably is, you know, 10 years uh, above his normal median girlfriend age. Um, but when I saw it, I was like, first of all, Miss, Miss Lucky is not lucky. Uh, and secondly, she's... She's very rich. She's young enough. Is she? Her, her father is like a billionaire. Oh God! I just feel yeah. here's, that's what's sad to me. I'm like, I'm like, well, at least you married for money, and then you realize that she's personally rich, and I'm like, run, bitch, run! Like, why are you doing this? You don't need him. You've got to. You could attract someone far better looking who isn't a creep. My God, why? Um, and you know, maybe she, he's blackmailing her. We never know. No, let's not. <laughs> the other thing he did, the other thing he did is they were on the plane together, and he t- he posted a photo of her sleeping next to him, her mouth like wide open, clearly like a non consensual post. And I'm like, yep, that is on brand douchebag. That is absolutely um, what you'd expect. And you know, a lifetime of Matt Gates. <sighs> That's its own sentence. I yeah. wouldn't wish Look. that on my worst enemy. I, I will. I will. I will close by saying it is difficult to judge a relationship from the outside, but I, I'm going to try. And I think. I think that he deserves it anyway. Um, no, it's he's he's a terrible guy. Who, whether this is the scandal that takes him down or not, he will be taken down because he is nothing but hair gel, ignorance, entitlement, and that's it. Like he's going. He he thinks everything is his. And he's too stupid to make it work. So he will inevitably be taken down by one of these things. Maybe it's to it's to credit that she trusts in love or whatever. I don't know. The story fundamentally is not about her. It's about this congressman eventually, inevitably going down for as many crimes. Yeah, he got married during a sexual investigation. But hey, that's what rich people do. Anyway... He is a sitting, I guess, congressman. Yeah, he's in the House. And he's in a Republican district. So he might not get out 
until unless he's arrested but again we need to put common sense to to this uh, issue so we gotta do what we do alright moving on to our next story um, Governor DeSantos Italian descent he was smack in the face about his mask mandate and try to take people money uh, kind of sounds like a dictator doesn't the one thing they're railing against uh, that's what they're doing they're telling people what to do with their bodies and they 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 want small government but hey we need to bring common sense uh, check this out from MSNBC COVID news, and it's bad for Florida's MAGA governor, Ron DeSantis. He's been dealt a massive legal blow. Late-breaking news today. He had tried, and we've reported on this, you may recall, to basically outright ban mask mandates in schools. Meanwhile, Florida is facing record COVID cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. Here's what's brand new. A Florida judge rebuking DeSantis, finding that he does not have the authority, and he overstepped it. The defendants do not have authority under this law to a blanket mandatory ban against a face mask policy. The evidence clearly demonstrates that the recommendation of the CDC for universal masking of students, teachers, and staff represents the overwhelming consensus of scientists, medical doctors, and medical organizations. That is what it looks like, albeit in the Zoom era, because we are still in a pandemic, when a judge tells you, you don't have the power. Now, this is a clear safety development for Florida because students are dealing with a deadly surge. DeSantis has been, according to many different people, playing politics with it. Here's a judge saying, beyond the politics, he doesn't have the power. He lost. More people are dying daily in Florida right now than at any time during this entire pandemic. Think about that. 2020 was tough. Earlier, 2021 was bad. But right now, this week is the worst for Florida. You can see the average here tragically surging. 240 COVID deaths on average a day now from what they can quantify. 68 hospitals running out of oxygen now in two days. Funeral homes tragically cannot keep up with the deaths. We are at capacity to where we've never been before. At Westside Crematory and Winter Garden, they're also overwhelmed. The area where bodies are stored prior to being cremated is stacked to the ceiling. We were there when a funeral home brought a body to be cremated. Sometimes they tell us there's a line four vans deep and there seems to be no end in sight. We're at the point where we're hoping that the state will step in and, and uh, supply some refrigeration. This may remind you of tragic stories we heard in the beginning of this pandemic, in early 2020, in mid-2020, in periods of time where, as bad as it was, there was no obvious way out because there was no available vaccine. Now we're in a place where it's worse in some areas despite the available vaccine, despite the available safety measures, ones that DeSantis had fought, and as I've told you now, breaking news, lost in court as he tried to keep schools from using safety measures. So what's he say about all this? Again. We're not here to make him look one way or the other. We are showing you how he sounds and what he's doing. If it looks bad, well, 
that's because of him. So does the governor take any responsibility, or does he deflect? Take a look. You know, he said he was going to end COVID. Um, he hasn't done that. Uh, we are the first state to start the uh, treatment centers for monoclonal antibodies. Having great success with that, that should have been a bigger plan, a uh, bigger part of this whole response throughout the country from the beginning. Look, we're, we are absolutely going to stand in Biden's way if he's trying to bring his destructive policies to Florida. Yes, you heard that right. That is the sound of the governor blaming the president. As for destructive policies, well, it's the CDC on a nonpartisan basis that disagreed with DeSantis on masks and many other issues. But it's broader and more obvious than that. This is someone who is literally selling Don't Fauci My Florida merchandise and has said the following without irony. So don't be that guy uh, that lets your partisan agenda overcome uh, providing good, accurate information. Yes, don't be that guy. This is serious. People are dying. Okay, two questions. Why isn't Dr. Fauci suing him for selling that stuff? Is he waiting until afterwards or he just doesn't know? Another question. Again, that dude don't care about y'all. He's in a state where, again, Republicans' motto is you can do as well as you want as long as you don't do as well as me so until the people of florida actually wake up and see that this dude is not beneficial for them they're gonna be stuck in this quagmire because that's all it is they sell them a fake goods that yeah they're taking your personal liberty no where they're not taking personal liberties they're trying to protect the nation until people do that, until people understand that, that you're trying to tell them, hey, this is the best thing for everybody. It's wearing a mask, what, for a year, six months, since people get the vaccine. Because, yes, you will get the, if you get the vaccine, you will get sick, but it will keep you out of the hospital. And this monocoral or this treatment thing, why are you taking a shot for COVID after you get COVID? but not willing to take a shot to prevent COVID. Somebody make that make sense for me. Just let that, just uh, email me, hit me up on uh, Facebook, uh, IG, Common Sense Party Podcast. That's the question. Why are you taking a shot after you get COVID where you can take a shot to prevent it? But again, we need to put common sense back to this crazy nation. All right, for our last and final story, the Lieutenant Governor of uh, Houston, he is saying, got a math problem, he is saying that the reason Texas is spiking is because of Negroes or African Americans. He does what he said. He said it on Fox News. He was playing to his base. Yes, I don't think he's that stupid, but he is. But my question is this: This is a math problem. How can thirty percent, thirteen percent of a population count for 
98% of people who got COVID. Gotta do the math, man. Uh, check this out from MSNBC. Good evening, everyone. We begin the readout tonight once again with a, a devastating map, just blood red with COVID. This one of Texas, where more than 100 people are dying of COVID every day and where only 46% of the population is fully vaccinated. It's a state where the daily average number of hospitalizations is north of 12,000. And just to break that down for you in more human terms, that means mortuary trailers are coming in to store bodies of COVID victims. It means dozens of children are newly hospitalized with COVID every day, with pediatric ICU beds unavailable in some areas. In case Texas leadership is listening right now, I'm going to speak in very blunt terms. Texans are dying. Parents are dying. Their children are becoming orphans or they're sick and hospitalized themselves. This child has died of COVID. And yet, the state's thrice vaccinated COVID positive leader, Governor Greg Abbott, has spent months blocking mask mandates. Abbott tested positive for COVID this week, 24 hours after attending this maskless vet. COVID is a serious matter, even for someone waging war against preventative measures, which is why Abbott got treated right away with Regeneron's monoclonal antibodies prescribed by his doctor while he quarantines in his mansion. But his own constituents must go to a pop-up clinic for that treatment, assuming they can get one at all. To top it off, the state's lieutenant governor, Dan Patrick, who once said grandparents are willing to die of COVID to save the economy, went back on Fox News to share who he thinks is to blame for the COVID surge. Spoiler alert, it ain't the Texas Republicans. The COVID is spreading, particularly uh, most of the numbers are with the unvaccinated, and the Democrats like to blame Republicans on that. Well, the biggest group in most states are African-Americans who have not been vaccinated. The last time I checked, over 90% of them vote for Democrats in their major cities and major counties. So it's up to the Democrats to get, just as it's up to Republicans, to try to get as many people vaccinated. Ah, yes. When in doubt, blame the blacks. Let's just be clear here. Black Americans make up roughly 13% of the Lone Star State population, meaning the raw numbers tell a very different story. State Health Department data shows the biggest group of the unvaccinated are white Texans by a roughly three to one margin. But go ahead, Dan. Tell us how it's black Texans fall when you and other state Republicans plot, you know, to also keep them from voting. Joining me now is Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner and Matthew Dowd, founder of Country Over Party. And Mayor Turner, I'm just going to let you respond to your lieutenant governor. Uh, he thinks the black people in Texas are to blame for the COVID surge. Your thoughts? Absolutely ridiculous. Makes no sense. Goes contrary to the facts. If it's not the immigrants or Latinos, then it must be uh, African Americans. Uh, the lieutenant governor was just flat out wrong, and his comments were offensive and uh, should not be ignored. And people across the board, even Republicans, should reject that statement. You cannot blame this surge that's happening in Texas on African Americans. The reality is that. Uh, been, been mis, mis, mismanagement. Ah, uh, yes. When you know, people haven't taken it seriously. They haven't given out the clear. right facts. They're not encouraging people to wear their masks. They're not uh, doing enough to encourage people to get vaccinated. And let me just say this, Joy. If you're an elected official, I don't care what party you may be affiliated, 
we have a responsibility to represent every single person, whether people voted for me or not. As mayor of the city of Houston, I represent every single one of them, and it's my responsibility to do everything possible to keep them safe. The same applies to the lieutenant governor. You know, th that is the thing, uh, um, Matthew. Adam Sir pointed this out. He had a tweet today, but that, that spoke for me. The idea that you would say, oh, the blacks are on the Democrats. I'm only responsible for the whites and the Republicans. Seriously? Is that our governing philosophy now? That he doesn't have to be governor of black people in Texas other than when he's denying them the right to vote? Well, first, a shout out to Mayor Turner, who I'm a big fan of down the road here in Wimber down the road in Wimberley. So, a big fan of his for everything he's doing. I'm amazed we're having this conversation. You know, today is August 20th, 1619 is when the first 20 or so African slaves were brought and sold in this country. As today, 1619, um, we're having this conversation still. They don't think they're the. They don't think they're the leaders of all Texans. They've acted like this over and over and over again. It's not just the public health crisis. It's on every cultural issue. It's on the economy. It's on health care. It's on the expansion of Medicaid. It's on everything. They do not think. They only want to represent the million people that vote in the GOP primary. That's all they want to represent. 5% of the state is all they're interested in representing at this time. In the, in, and what we have is the three top leaders in Texas, the governor, lieutenant governor, and the attorney general. I call them one's craven. One's cruel and one's a crook. And that's who's leading the state right now. It's God bless the local leaders. God bless the local leaders who are trying their best. But I thought a conservative principle was empowering local local leaders and local governments with, to do what was right for their communities. They've abandoned that conservative principle long ago. Yeah. And let me just read uh, Dan Patrick's statement on his comments. He, he wrote this today in part. Federal and state data clearly indicate black vaccination rates are significantly lower than white or Hispanic rates. Democrats continue to play politics in people's lives, pandering and dot, 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 dot. Um, on Texas and, uh, and COVID, 38% of African-Americans there are vaccinated. 47% of whites are vaccinated, are, are vaccinated. And while vaccination rates are low among black Texans, um, per the census, black residents in Texas accounted for 16.4% of the state's cases. Whites and Hispanics, who make up more than 80% of the population, well, they account for 70% of the cases, right? right? So, so we're talking about he's blaming the people who account for 16% of the cases when Whites and Hispanics account for 70% of the cases. Just on this idea, if in fact uh, the governor and the, tech and the lieutenant governor are only responsible for white Republicans, they're not responsible for African Americans, they're still doing a crap job because Texas ICUs are filling up uh, the same people that they say they do govern, so we're going to leave the black people side because apparently they're not their, their governors. They're getting sick and dying at incredible rates. Texas is one of the worst states in the country in terms of the COVID pandemic. So, Mayor Turner, what do you have to say to him just about his, his um, governance of his own people, the people he says he does care about? Well, when you start blaming the surge of, of uh, uh, all of these cases in Texas on black people, you're trying simply to deflect the attention from the lack of responsibility and the lack of accountability and the lack of actions on the leadership part. The reality is, in this area, in Houston, 18% of the cases that are in our hospital are children. One month ago, in a hospital, uh, we had a little over 500 cases a day in our hospitals in Houston. That number is over 2,600 as of this morning. And so the reality is, 
is that you just can't blame it on any one group. This virus doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care whether you're black, white, or brown. It doesn't care whether you're Democrat or Republican, rich or poor, urban or rural. This virus will attack you if you don't take the, the, the mitigating measures to prevent it from spreading. And that's what the lieutenant governor should be saying. That's what he should be encouraging people to wear their masks. He should be encouraging them to get vaccinated. And he, and he has to represent every single Texan in this state, regardless of their party affiliation, of their, of their race, religion, sexual orientation, or age. That's where we need to be. And what I say to people is that you need to be more scared of the virus than the vaccine. Okay, those are, yeah. those are the reality. Joy, I started not to even say anything about this comment. But the reality is, if the only voices are those of like the lieutenant governor, and the rest of us treat his comments as if we are normal, this is the normal way of, of life, then we're making a very serious mistake. You have to speak out against it. You have to debunk them. You have to call it for what it is. And he was irresponsible. And I hope he owns it on up to what he said and retract his comments. What he said was wrong, offensive, and should not be ignored. You know, Matthew, thank you for saying that because I, I'm starting to understand why the Republicans in Texas are so desperate to disenfranchise black and brown voters. Because in order to be this incompetent, to give yourself the best treatments, the Cadillac treatments for you and let everyone else go to a pop-up shop to get their, their treatments. To be this cruel, to try to, deny, to sue counties that just want to protect children, saying they can't have a mask mandate. The only way you can get away with that, Matthew, is if those people can't vote you out. Is if you install yourself permanently as being in governance because they cannot and are prevented from voting you out. So I guess I now sort of understand why these Republican governors want to mess with people's voting rights. But I'm well, sorry, you were going to say something. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is that that's exactly the point, is they don't care. They don't care. They have given it to me, the Republican Party, and especially the Republican Party in Texas, has given up on the idea of the common good. They no longer think the common good is part of what American democracy is. They think it's only about me and what's good for me and what's good for my group, not good what's good for the state of Texas as a whole, not what's good for the city of Houston as a whole or any other city or town in the state. They don't care, and they operate every day. This is not the first time they've taken away local control. They took away local control on dealing with environmental concerns. When local cities wanted to deal with environmental, they took control away at doing the bidding of the oil and gas industry. They took local control away from on police reform when cities wanted to do police reform and figure out what was going on in police departments and figure that out. They took local control away from cities on police reform. And so this is just another aspect of, of accumulating power. And the census numbers for Texas tell the whole story. Four million people were added in Texas. The biggest group, the largest state increase in the country by net numbers. 95% of the people that were added were non-white people, were people mm -hmm. of color. 95% of the 4 million people. That's, That's what they're right. afraid of. Again, I will repeat this. People in power will not give a power willingly. Absolutely not. They will not. They will not give a power willingly. And again, we don't abide by the social contract anymore. We don't protect each other. Well, let me not say, most of us don't protect each other. We just want to get our stuff and go, but we got to be more 
for the common good as as he stated and I really believe that for us to get to, back to the common good this current Republican Party needs to die out I'm sorry but if Republicans don't want to take the vaccine this is nature's selective um, this is nature's form of natural selection if you want to be dumb be dumb don't take the vaccine don't put on your mask but do not absolutely do not beg for sympathy when you die honestly don't absolutely not do not beg for it like I said people in power will not give up power willingly again we're gonna get some more views of the governor's lieutenant governor's um uh, I guess his double down I guess take this out from MSNBC again Donna change a subject but a subject you and I have discussed on this broadcast and that is the pandemic. The following uh, took place. It happened last night. Uh, it aired last night. I've been wanting to talk to you about it today. Here is the Lieutenant Governor of Texas. The COVID is spreading, particularly uh, most of the numbers are with the unvaccinated, and the Democrats like to blame Republicans on that. Well, the biggest group in most states are African Americans who have not been vaccinated. The last time I checked, over 90% of them vote for Democrats in their major cities and major counties. Don, have at it. I'm going to do my best to have at it without cussing, be will So, first of all, African Americans are about 13% of the population in Texas. So, statistically, if there is a COVID spread, which apparently there is in Texas, apparently, according to the lieutenant governor, it has nothing to do with failure to mask up or anti-mask policies, but it has something to do with black folks who are a substantial minority of the population, well behind white folks and well behind Latinos in the state. So you see how statistics lie here. Second of all, it's easy to spout such statistics without pointing out a very real and very painful history of the United States, uh, the American medical system intentionally using black bodies as essentially guinea pigs and lab rats. Of course, we've heard the terms Tuskegee, but we're talking about forced sterilization and eugenics and, uh, and, and, and brain experiments throughout the American South. We're talking about black maternal health in which African-American women's pain complaints are still not taken seriously and you see black maternal mortality at a substantially higher rate than their white counterparts so when we're talking about african-american vaccine hesitancy and yes we are substantially behind white counterparts in terms of vaccine adoption that is because it doesn't turn off overnight a very real and very recent history of american medical malfeasance intentional and sometimes just uh uh, neglectful malfeasance toward black bodies, it doesn't turn off just because we're trying to save ourselves from a global pandemic. So if Dan Patrick had any sense, he would be using his platform as a, an elected leader in the state of Texas to invest in communications and resources and talking to and defeating disinformation in African-American communities instead of blaming the miners canary. Of course, that's a literary reference, which he probably wouldn't understand. But ultimately, this is the same guy who told us we should sacrifice our grandmothers and grandfathers because being old and dying in a pandemic ain't the worst thing. He said that just a year ago. So Dan Patrick is a moron. And in the words of my dad, he could probably get somewhere and sit his ass down. Uh, yep. Well said. But 
this brings us to a close uh, this is the common sense party podcast uh please rate us review us on spotify google podcast wherever you get your podcast give us four stars give us five stars rate us review us and we'll be back next week to bring common sense to this crazy nation see you next week all is lost not while i'm standing Blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight.